This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of January 11th, 2020. Molson Coors is ditching a facility. Paps reserves the rights to call dibs. A 27-year-old Irish whiskey? And it costs how much? Boston Beer changes cold snap. Again, Chris is still not pleased. Sky Vodka needs to pick its battles better for PR reasons. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's do it. So, uh, Molson Coors has made a recent uh, decision to cease production in Irwindale, California, and Pabst is holding the option to purchase the entire facility for $150 million. The business equivalent of dibs. <laughs> <laughs> the second uh, largest U.S. beer manufacturer also announced an agreement with Pabst Brewing Company, uh, giving the Los Angeles headquartered beer company the option to purchase that entire facility. This move will allow us to optimize our brewery footprint while streamlining our operations for greater efficiency across the network, Molson Coors Chief uh, Integrated Supply Chain Officer. Wow, that's a that's, lot of... That's a great title there. <laughs> yeah, uh, said in a press release, while it was a very difficult decision, we have extra capacity in our systems and Irwindale's production can be absorbed by other breweries in our network. <laughs> hey, please stop suing us, Paps. Here, <laughs> buy this. So it's, uh, that's, the whole thing has gone on that Patsy's going, they still have the extra room to, like, we, you know, we've got the contract with them, they have to keep legally doing this, and they've still got the room to do it, and they just keep going, well, if we've got the room to brew extra beer, why the, f- why are we keeping these facilities open? Why are we doing that? Why yeah. are we wasting our time? <laughs> We're wasting a lot of money here that we don't actually have. Uh, Molson Coors will begin moving production from Irwindale to its facilities in Golden, Colorado. Hmm. Hmm. What what else was in Golden, Colorado that recently that got moved? Just the actual cores. Oh, I was like, I oh, genuinely yes. don't remember. Not Molson cores. <laughs> just cores. So they, had, they moved out. But anyway, Molson cores coming into Golden uh, and Fort Worth, Texas over the next nine months. Also for Molson cores arrangement. With Pabst, uh, the maker of Pabst Blue Ribbon will have 120 days after receiving notice from Molson Coors of Irwindale's closure to exercise its option to buy the brewery, according to the U.S. SEC filing. The document notes... Man, the SEC does a lot. They, you know, they handle Southern basketball on the college <laughs> level. They're handing these filings. They're just having a busy time of year. They've got their hands in a lot of pies. Uh, Document notes, as part of the agreement between Molson Coors and Pabst, both companies have executed mutual release of claims related to their ongoing litigation and dismissed the litigation with prejudice, uh, referring Pabst's lawsuit against Formula Coors over a nearly two-decade-old contract brewing arrangement. Both parties announced a settlement in that case in November 2018. Yeah, they both announced the settlement because Pabst came out huge. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we will work with our new long-term supply chain partner, City Brewing Company, to evaluate this opportunity and are committed to choosing a path forward. That is the best <clears throat> interest for all our stakeholders. 
Uh, this past November, Pabst reached a long-term agreement to brew the majority of its production volume at City Brewing Company by December 2024 and maintain contract production at facilities until 2040. For Molson Coors, the announcement of Irwindale's impending closure follows last October's announcement of the new CEO, Gavin Hattersley's sweeping restructuring and revitalization plan aimed at reinvesting $150 million annually in its core products above premium offerings, uh, new, new beyond beer innovations, and digital capabilities. So, <laughs> by, by digital capabilities, they mean more than just like, hey, we've got a digital readouts on our thing right <laughs> yes so i like how they're reinvesting 150 million dollars they're selling the facility to paps hopefully for 150 million dollars hmm. 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 Uh, but paps may actually be needing that space because i know they have a few things on the market uh, especially right now they have a hard coffee uh, or hard cold brew coffee Ooh. That right. is blowing up. Everyone is buying it out as soon as it hits shelves. Uh, I was at the liquor store today, and I heard it's not even out in Kentucky yet. We're not getting distro, but just across the river in Ohio they are. So people are stumbling in over here, seeing that it was available there, and asking about it. And they're like, no, it's not over here yet. But as soon as you know it does, it's probably just going to fly off the shelves. To so. be TBH, I will be buying some. <laughs> well, I mean, because coffee. Right. <laughs> Still, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, I like that they like they're they're they reserve the right to sell it to them for 150 million dollars. Where Molson Coors is also trying to roll out a plan for 150 uh, million dollars <laughs> every year to build up. They're like, hey, look, we can get this year's done right now. We can just bam knock this thing out. Mm -hmm. we, we can just say the first year of this smashing success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, I had forgotten though that they had already lined up uh, other places to to, to brew at. Yeah, this, city. Uh, this contract is so. Yeah, they've already got someone else that they're uh, doing contract brewing with, and uh, not too big a side. I saw some stuff today and discovered Urban Artifact Local in Cincinnati has someone doing contract brewing for them. All of their uh, mainstay beers that are usually sold in cans on shelves. Uh, is all being contract brewed in Wisconsin while mm -hmm. uh, they can focus on the Midwest fruit tarts. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that, that, that frees them up to use that space to experiment and do whatever they need to there. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of experimenting. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, experimenting a little bit on the Irish whiskey front. So... <laughs> Uh, a new 27-year-old Irish whiskey drops in at close to $8,500. So, 27-year Irish whiskey. <laughs> that, that's the... I, I didn't realize they got that old. Yeah. Um, I mean, not. I, I didn't think that they did it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I just forgot about this. Sorry. Uh, the world of more expensive Irish whiskey releases is normally dominated by the likes of Teeling, known for pulling 20-plus-year-old bottlings uh, now and again from its stocks and, uh, for prices that can dip into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ireland's first modern whiskey bonder, J.J. Corey, recently joined this party as well, releasing late last year a limited run of a 27-year-old expression known as The Chosen. 
I always forget they call them expressions, and I'm just like, what what kind of expression? Yeah, like, I. It was like a, it takes two to tango, or I rarely remember this. It was a facial <laughs> expression, and it was smug. <laughs> it, mm. it was. Uh, the new J.J. Corey, The Chosen, according to those behind it, is a 27-year-old single-cask Irish whiskey that was designed in collaboration with contemporary Irish design houses, or, yeah, houses, J. Hill's Standard and John Galvin Design. These two firms put together the rather expensive packaging for this bottling, presented in 100 individually hand-cut J. Hill's Standard Crystal Decanters and, hard c- and hand-carved ash wood cabinets Fashioned by John Galvin Design. Wood cabinets. Okay, so like how much of that cost is just in that? A yeah, lot. it's bananas. This, like the way this looks. The decanter alone is, that's, the, I mean, it's the pretty. presentation is probably a third of this price. Yeah. Like I'm, again, it's pretty. I'm, you know, good job, but. It's really. almost... It does remind me like the, the, the carving on the, the glass does remind me of that three sheets episode where like he's making his, uh his own glass and they're oh. like they're carving it out for him i'm just picturing someone with like a really fine version of that just kind of like you know slowly turning it on the thing yeah. to make this like wheat you know uh like two, it looks yeah, like, grass like grass or wheat or whatever like like plains grass or something i don't know yeah um i get it so that's i had the same thought when i was at the liquor store today uh in the glass case they had a bottle of boss hog Mm. And that is stupid expensive, if you're unaware. And looking at all the packaging that comes with it, there has to be, like, no joke, eight pounds of packaging that come with that bottle of whiskey. I was like, how much of that price is in the packaging alone? But if you're going to buy, it's like if you buy the Utopias. Mm. There's a lot of it going into that decanter. and like Yeah. Presentation is important. It is. (laughs) It really is. And sometimes it's really important with liquor, because otherwise you're like, what is this now? Takes your brain to a magical place. Where flavor country lives. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, in a statement, they said, Irish whiskey has not been celebrated for its quality and rarity, as perhaps other categories have. No uh, we have some of the finest mature stock of whiskey in the world, and yet feel that the industry undersells itself. Wanted to change that. Our approach to making Irish whiskey celebrates tradition, embraces change, and has the modern whiskey drinker front of mind. All of this is reflected in the chosen i can't go over the name by the way when i when i hear them say it celebrates tradition i'm just trying to picture like an irish production of fiddler on the roof <laughs> try to try to do that tradition chorus with an irish accent oh, you can't. <sighs> um so it says trying to figure out how you get the brogue into tradition <laughs> uh so it says uh we constantly source and taste knowing the personality of each cask that we own every cask in our custom-built rack house has a different story and destiny Occasionally, we come across such an exceptional cask that it merits its own unique release, and this was the case with The Chosen. We waited until the cask reached its absolute peak of maturation before we released it. Um, So they talk about, I don't know, it it, it basically gets into, like, the design. Like, oh, the specialness of the cask, blah, blah, blah. The rugged landscape of County Clare, where J.J. Corey matures and blends whiskey. It it all sounds very fluffy. (laughs) Also boasts many important grasslands. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do the... (laughs) Look, I've been mulling it over. Sorry, I've been working on that in my head the whole time. I was (laughs) mulling it over. See, I was thinking... And I was like, oh, it's going to be like filler on the roof, only a lot more uh, potato-focused. And I was like, 
No, it's still a lot like Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> so, uh, so actual important information for this, besides that ridiculous price. Uh, so it has a cask strength of 52%. Mm. Um, we already talked about the price, but official tasting notes speak of, quote, rich and superbly elegant with notes of toffee, rancio, I don't know what this is, dried mango, and chestnut. Uh, the palette of intensely ripe fruits is complemented by incense and a luscious oily texture. The finish is long with just a touch of smoke. Irish whiskey over a hundred proof. Yeah, it does sound good. The I mean the description is odd to me, but like not off-putting. It's just mm-hmm. a weird com- like I'm like toffee, mango, and chestnut. Okay, <laughs> sure, I'll try right. it. Yeah. You know what else gives you that reaction? Hmm. When Boston beer changes their formula. Indeed. That actually does. <laughs> Look, they did so, it to Summer Ale, and then they have to go and do it to Cold Snap. Come on. Well, Boston Beer Company has reformulated yet another of its top offerings, because if it if it ain't broke, you might as well fix it. <laughs> Company announced today that it reformulated its Samuel Adams Cold Snap Spring Seasonal. The recipe tweaks the uh, changes made last year to the formulas for Samuel Adams Summer Ale and every truly hard seltzer flavor. Uh, meanwhile, Boston Beer's truly branded line of lemonade, Hard Seltzers, has also begun to hit shelves as well. Hmm. <sighs> so they're just. Doing... I, my, my initial thought is like, hard lemonade seltzer, but I'm also like, man, that would probably be really good during the summer. It it's, probably it's, would. It's not that it's not smart, it's that it, it just. It's so sigh inducing. Well, it's like, the, it, <laughs> isn't that basically their, the hard tea that they've already got? The twisted, um, tea? the twisted tea, twisted tea, like the, yeah, they have a lemonade. They have they? a lemonade yeah. variant, but it's not. I mean, if you think about like a hard seltzer, well, yeah, because that, that one's supposed to be like your Arnold Palmer. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is just like gotta... even more. I feel like this would probably be more. So if, I... even though it's alcoholic, would be more thirst quenching because lemonade. Oh, you could make though a lim- a, a uh, sorry. Now I am picturing like the alcoholic, <laughs> the hard Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Mm. It's just like oh, which I could I guess we could have used with like Mark's hard lemonade, but now you can stay in house with yeah. And something about it being carbonated, I think, also sounds because you've got that effervescent you know feeling from the carbonation. You're just like but yes, apparently this sounds that's, great. That's that's how you drink lemonade in England. Oh, sparkling. I'm yeah. fine with that. I, I'm not against that at all, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. Well, in a press release, Boston Beer co-founder Jim Cook cited the highly successful reformation of the summer ale seasonal, uh, uh, leading oh? the company. Highly the company, successful. <laughs> leading the company's bre- uh, brewers to revisit the cold snap recipe and create a bright and smoother beer. They're going to revisit the Oktoberfest and make it... Oh, God, don't Eventually, they're going to be like, oh, we decided to revisit our Oktoberfest recipe and make it's... it make it lighter and more lemony. And it's no. just... Now it's a pale lager. They're just making <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. all the same. Like, basically, all their seasonals are going to just be lemonade, sparkling lemonade variants. They, okay, I think their Oktoberfest is probably one of their most popular besides summer ale or something. No, there's, there's no one. It is their most popular. Like, that'd be stupid. For them to well, mess with that. According to the company, Cold Snap's new recipe lightens the body and maintains the beer's warming notes to just as the ratio of 10 spices, orange zest, vanilla, lemon zest, coriander, rose hips, hibiscus, plum, grains of paradise, anise, uh, and 
Tamarind. I had to stop myself from saying Tamerlan, and I went, <laughs> nope, one of those one of those is a Mongol conqueror, and one of them is a spice that you don't know what it tastes like. <laughs> uh, to amplify the orange and vanilla ingredient profiles for added brightness. I mean, uh, that is also the... added is some fluorescent dye, and so now <laughs> super bright. You'll die when you drink it. Uh, 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 but the thing is, um, I don't, it's not necessarily like one of their. Okay, so it's a seasonal beer, yes, but it's not one of the like flagship seasonals, I guess. Like Cold Snap it's... is there, but it's not. It's like that weird. Like they literally made it as a transition beer. It is, and I feel like it always pops up and is, like, gone before you have time to really remember it exists. Yeah. It's like, just there to fill the calendar space before the next... Like, I'm not that offended by them changing it, because I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Well, I didn't hate Cold Snap. No. Although like, making it lighter it would make more sense, as it's supposed to be their spring seasonal that comes out in January. Yeah. It, so it literally the intention of the beer is it's the transition between winter and spring. But at some point the season creep will loop round and will finally be <laughs> yeah back to normal for about one year. It's the transition into spring and it's out. It's been out for weeks. Yeah, yeah. we've definitely seen it for a minute. Like it, it's like kids. We just got. We're barely in a winter. <laughs> but okay. We barely got winter lager. <laughs> It's fall, everybody. It's time for cold snap. <laughs> what? Uh, Oktoberfest comes out in the middle of middle of March now. <laughs> Although some people would probably be like, "Yes." Hey, look, if Oktoberfest came out year-round, that'd be yes. Mm. But then again, it makes it less special if you get it all the time. So yeah, yeah. Then we uh, have a founders problem. So anyway, uh, the truly lemonade, uh, which is meant to compete with. Uh, Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony Brands. I keep doing that. Uh, Mike Har Mike's Hard Lemonade line. It's available in mixed twelve packs with uh, four flavors: original lemonade, black cherry lemonade, mango lemonade, and strawberry lemonade. Ooh. Additionally, original lemonade flavor is available in sixteen and twenty-four single can serve single serve cans. Uh, and truly, lemonade checks in at five percent ABV with one gram of sugar and one hundred calories per serving. Strawberry lemonade, that sounds just right. I forgot that the people behind White Claw had Mike's Heart. Oh. Because that's I the company that owns. as well. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, they're just raking it in, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Makers, <laughs> in fairness, that seems on brand for them. Makers of barely alcoholic beverages. Makes more very popular barely alcoholic beverages. Targeted yeah. at teenage girls. Hey, hey, teenage boys can drink it too. <laughs> they can, and feel like less of themselves. Oh, gender stereotypes. <laughs> well, everyone feels like less of themselves from drinking it. I think yeah. is the point he was. Well, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't taking that in a gender-specific way, but I could see how you could. <laughs> you know what else I could see how how you could uh, could do. <laughs> I could. Yeah, that sentence is terrible. Let's try that again. It's <laughs> like, where are we going? <laughs> uh, you know what? Never mind. Let's forget that sentence. Let's move on to. I don't know. Is this a war crime, Chris? I feel like it's a war crime. I think the picture in the story is a war crime. I can't figure out where her like neck ends and her jawline begins. 
I don't know. It's creeping the hell out of me. It's like it if looks a, like a cartoon character. It's if made a shark. Life. If it's a shark, had a giraffe neck. <laughs> like it's really messing me up. Anyway, Sky Vodka is picking all the wrong kind of fights. Uh, a major vodka brand is taking issue with the name of a small Colorado roofing business. Sky Guard Roofing was founded by two disabled veterans in January of 2018. Oh. But they ran into problems when they filed paperwork to have that name trademarked. Uh, I think my initial reaction was, why? We're not selling alcohol. Uh, we're not in the same industry. How could you confuse the two? said Sean Smith, vice president of Skyguard. They are now embroiled in a lengthy battle with Sky Vodka over the use of the name Skyguard. Uh, the case is playing out before the trademark trial and appeal board, which falls under the United States Patent and Trademark Office. They filed the opposition uh, stating that if Skyguard were to receive a trademark, that it would actually dilute the Sky Vodka brand, said Chase Barron, Skyguard CEO. In what universe? Baron explained that they came up with the name because it conveyed the message of protecting or guarding someone's home from anything that might fall from the sky. Uh, Could when they have not, here's my question, though. Did they have to have two Ys? <laughs> well, ah. uh, when they went to buy a domain for their website, they realized that they needed a second Y to ah. secure the website. Ah, Skyguard okay. with a double Y was born. And the extra letter soon became an integral part of their logo. The two Ys came together. It actually looks like two people actually holding hands, or it looks like a house, said Baron. Uh, Baron and Smith served in the Navy together. That's where they met and why they decided to use blue and gold for the logo's color scheme. In the Navy, you can sail the seven seas. In the Navy. <laughs> uh, he... All right, uh, Denver 7 reached out to Sky Vodka and its parent company, Campari America, LLC. At the time of this article was published, the company had not responded. Uh, Denver 7 also contacted the company's attorney at the firm, uh, Greenberg Traug. Sure. Mm. Uh, but she said they do not comment on active client matters. Uh, Smith said it didn't sound like the attorney was prepared to back down based on comments she made during a recent deposition. She said, are you willing to bankrupt your company for this, said Smith. <laughs> the friends have already spent a significant amount of time and resources fighting to keep up their business's name, and they plan to continue. They agree it's a matter of principle, and they refer to Sky Vodka as a bully, saying they don't want the bully to win. Well, they're done. Like, this is exactly like we saw from Bells. And, like, any anything, it's not, to, it's not this specific case that Sky Vodka is fighting for. It's that if they let this go here, mm -hmm. and then something else much closer into their markets tries this, then then there's already a precedent set that, like, no, you already let something else with a double Y in Sky go before it already went. Precedent's here. Yeah. It's the, still, though, like, the optics aren't good. No, it does not look good. Skyguard? I don't understand how that would be confused with a vodka. I just uh, maybe if you scotch guard stuff with sky vodka it's not that it's, it's a reach <laughs> it's just know. that the tra it's not don't look at the product it's the the, the logo hmm. it's that people will see them driving around in their crappy van or truck that has that logo across it trying to figure out what the hell that has to do with vodka 
that's what they're that like that's a realistic thing that you if could be they're seeing like there. stupid i guess maybe they'll think it's a weird cross promotion between disney's lion king show lion guard <laughs> and sky vodka you can't right. assume intelligence well i just the logo looks and then, nothing and then they'll like... think that they're promoting underage drinking and it'll be a whole thing well what was the line uh Oh crap! I'm forgetting uh, which comedian said it. It's like uh, picture, picture in your head the uh, most stereotypical like middle class, common middle ground person, and just remember that most of them are dumber than that. No, <laughs> uh, well, you know it also might be George dumber Carlin. than that. It was George Carlin. Oh, oh of course yeah. it was. Yeah. You know, this might be dumber than that. Uh, Single use plastic straws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, what yeah. about we get some some agave straws? Ooh, this sounds yeah. great, by the way. I would eat them. <laughs> um, Jose Cuervo, doing something good, yay for them, turns this... their agave tequila waste into durable biodegradable straws. Do you use agave to treat burns, or am I confusing it with a different cactus-like thing? Aloe. Uh, aloe. Aloe, okay. I mean, you can use agave to treat your burns. I don't know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> that's for a whole you. different thing. Look, I can use anything to treat burns. <laughs> Whether it helps or not is a different matter. Right. Does that mean I can just go buy a bottle of tequila if I get a sunburn and pour it all over myself? I've you heard pour that it in thing. yourself. <laughs> Either way. Um, how how you get do you so really. so drunk and you won't care. I was going to say, how do you want to treat the burn, really? Um, I want to treat the emotional burn. Yeah. Uh, so last month, internationally renowned tequila brand, renowned, hey. uh, <laughs> Jose Cuervo unveiled their latest eco-friendly initiative, salvaging the leftover agave fibers from their distilling process and upcycling them into a more sustainable alternative to regular uh, Brittany, plastic I believe straws. it's called recycling. <laughs> no, upcycle is the, uh, the uh, buzzword term. Um, <laughs> it, how, explain to me how it's different than recycling. Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying it's a buzzword. <laughs> okay. They're taking what you make it into something better. So they're taking the waste from the plants and everything and making it into a biodegradable straw. So it's becoming something better. And they're upselling right, but, you on this. So it's an upcycle. I was going to say, but I send like spent bills to be recycled. They turn it into cardboard, which I turn into homes. <laughs> also, uh, we just. Just like uh, Furry Viking just joined us in the chat and he just missed all the legal talk. Yeah, he did. Just missed it. Timing, man. Um, so the company is hailing their agave project, Straws, as first of its kind biodegradable, bio based drinking straw that will decompose up to 200 times faster than regular plastic. Uh, developed in partnership with the scientists at BioSolutions Mexico and the production team at Mexico based Penca. The creation of the agave-based straws sets out to offer a more sustainable alternative for the beverage industry and utilizes the tons of fibrous material left over from the tequila-making process. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not for this idea. Hmm. I'm just saying I need a spreadsheet with how much energy it costs to turn this stuff into that versus the envir- you know, the, the, the sort of carbon footprint, as it were, of... Hmm single-use plastics i just i need a spreadsheet so i can make sure if there is a a big enough difference for it so it's not entirely the production 
offset. It's the fact that the plastic straws hang around basically forever when you're done with a one-use oh, thing. Yeah, also true. And it's um, uh, removing that waste from the ecosystem by never letting it get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's definitely worth Which uh, was still worth they, whatever they're putting into it. I, I still want competing spreadsheets. <laughs> Fair enough. I would like that data too, but it, it was nice... But with the aquarium last weekend, and they're like, no straws. We we just don't do straws. Period. Which mm-hmm. worked out because I had my uh, stainless steel uh, rose gold straws. Um, in Ooh, 2020, millions of Jose Cuervo biodegradable agave-based straws will be rolled out at bars, restaurants, and Jose Cuervo events across the U.S. and Mexico in a bid to reduce the consumption of regular plastics from the tequila drinking experience. As a family-run company with 225 years of tequila distilling experience and the largest producer of agave byproduct globally, Jose Cuervo's reportedly spent years exploring the potential of agave fiber as an alternative to plastic, uh, paper, of housing bricks, and fuel. Huh? Sorry. Outside of margaritas. <laughs> Who's using what straws is, with what tequilas? Is, yeah. yeah, what is the straw use for... Uh, Maybe they... Uh, I wonder if they count the little, like cocktail straws you know the little skinny little stirs. stirs yeah maybe i mean those could, i mean that's still plastic and and dumb so yeah, but they are necessary for bartenders i mean so, it's how it's how i sample things to make sure i haven't killed everyone right I so mean, <laughs> would would this mean uh vodka producers should look into making potato straws that actually makes a lot of sense because we, they already make um yeah as you the, said this uh, a thing already the food Save instead of like styrofoam, like the food pack, they they have that as out of potatoes. So um, that would make potato straw. Not like we're the not potato talking gun. about like a French fry that we've hollowed out. I mean, I mean, however you want to do it, really, you know, that's that's on you. I was also going for some reason that only uh, works in a Wendy's frosty. The the orange juice commercials where it's just got the straw going into an orange, just oh, a yeah. potato with a straw going into. It. Like, sure would you, do it. You you might be that Irish, I guess. <laughs> Chris, yes, I am. Chris, I eat baked potatoes like they're apples sometimes. Just they're, take them off and I'll... They're not even baked. He just pulls them out of the bag and starts eating them unwashed. Yum. Dirt and all. There's even some roots coming out of them. Look, they call them pomme de terre in French, <laughs> which is apple of the earth. And I just figure what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> oh dear, it hurts. Um, oh, it hurts so much. I don't know where I'm left. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, so they have a quote here. It says, uh, "It takes an average of six years to grow an agave plant before it's mature enough to harvest for tequila production." And uh, they've committed to be um, to finding more ways to use the agave fibers once the process c- is complete. The debut of the biodegradable agave-based drinking straws is a new step in utilizing the full potential of this very special Mexican agricultural product. Uh, as the tequila industry worldwide booms, it's our company's responsibility as the leader to take the uh, take care of the agave plant and ensure that we're producing tequila sustainably. Um, yeah, good on them, honestly. Now... Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I appreciate the effort. Again, I, I would like a spreadsheet to make sure I know. Yeah, <laughs> they look like cinnamon oh, sticks so in the picture. They do actually. 
so actually they have on here it says uh, the agave fiber in our bio-based composites is an ideal material that not only works as a replacement to plastic but simultaneously reduces the dependency on petroleum-based polymers fossil fuels and water for the production of our straws so there you go well can we use the same stuff to make other plastics instead i don't see why not if you want to eat those the plastics yeah generally yes but yeah i think this is great like good on them and and it, as much as we like you know kind of harp on on jose cuervo the fact is they are the leader in that like when people think of tequila generally like normal people they think of jose cuervo it is a very popular brand to get so um it's yeah, good it's that they're doing this they've got the the resources to do it uh now speaking of th- <laughs> it's going the other direction of things that should not be done Let's. No, no, it should be done. It should be done. You have a bias on this. One. I just looked at the title of this. What you guys put? You... Yeah, yeah. Justin has a bias uh, on this one. I okay. think it sounds like a delightful brunch. Red Lobster's new Bloody Mary features an actual oh. lobster claw. You guys went with that story. Okay. An entire Cheddar Bay biscuit. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Just I have kill to. Me now. I need to share the the image from this this site. Yeah, no, you should screen share this. I need more people to see why I want to kill myself. <laughs> I'm just so glad I don't work there anymore. Right. Look at that. It... Oh God, it's it's just it's hideous. The thing of beauty. It's just such a brunchy. If thing any to day do. calls for a Bloody Mary, it's New Year's Day. <laughs> Okay, that's probably fair enough. We did a whole that's thing about not wrong, that. Actually, uh, except bloody mirrors are gross, and you know you should make like a screwdriver instead. Uh, which also just <laughs> happens to be the uh, National Bloody Mary Day. Uh, in honor of the occasion, let, to help those starting the new year with a particular difficult hangover, Red Lobster is offering a very on-brand iteration of the cocktail. It's amazing. Casual- Casual dining chain, red, uh, dining chain's Lobster Claw Bloody Mary is made with Tito's vodka, which they have not carried before now. <laughs> A proprietary, proprietary Bloody Mary mix. I guarantee you it's still Ocean Spray. It has to be. <laughs> there is no way on this earth that it's not still the same Ocean Spray Bloody Mary mix. Uh... So, sorry, furry Viking in the chat is saying the only meat that should go in a Bloody Mary is bacon. He agrees with you that it should not be a thing. I disagree with him about... Okay, you can have one garnish. If you choose that garnish to be bacon, that is acceptable. I think shrimp makes sense because of, like, cocktail sauce and stuff. My stance is you get one garnish. <laughs> Even the Cheddar Bay Biscuit? My one garnish can be the Cheddar Bay Biscuit? Because I'm if all you're, for if that. If you're a war criminal, sure. <laughs> Can I get? Can I just have the if basket? If your name is Slobodan Milosevic, <laughs> then yes. Can I just get the basket left? Like, can I tell the bartender? Oh, oh I'll take God. one of those. I'll take the new Bloody Mary. Can I just? Can you just bring me the whole basket of Cheddar Bay biscuits uh, and replenish them? No, you them? get one biscuit, not a basket of biscuits. <laughs> I need them replenished as I eat the biscuit off of. Them. Oh my God, I would hate you. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm so glad I don't work there. Um, can I? Can I? <laughs> Can I get the endless shrimp as my garnish? Oh my god. <laughs> I have never wanted to walk off stream. You're lucky my spine doesn't work. 
all right. Anyway, uh, the drink arrives with a main lobster claw, a jumbo shrimp, and one of Red Lobster's famous Cheddar Bay biscuits. Uh, the glass is also rimmed with a spicy chipotle barbecue seasoning. That's where I draw the line right there. I don't know and why. And garnished with a lime wedge and a green olive. For some reason, it's the, 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 the rimming of the glass that I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Oh, my know. God. We need I, Casey I, on this episode. We need uh, Casey's opinion. I think Casey would just agree and go with this Because he's like, one. yes, Bloody Marys all the time. I would, uh, I don't know. I would just stare at this and go like, I, you can't. Like, I'd like to order this. I'd like to kill myself. Which one of us do you think is going to have this more likely to happen? <laughs> Look, you got out. You never had to make one of these for someone. Uh, That's I know, true. but just looking at it just gives is giving me like PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> so you should go back to and the Red one. Lobster where you used to work and go no. to the bar and order one of these just to watch them die a little on the inside. No. <laughs> I, why would I do that to someone? For the Cheddar Bay Biscuit? Oh, God. I still can't eat those. By the way, if you ever want to make a Cheddar... Because like, they sell the mix. And yeah. they're like, oh, how could I possibly... Like, they just don't taste the same at home. Here's what you do. Get some olive oil. Add it to the batter. Add some cheese to the batter. Add both of those into the point where you think you've added too much. Then add more. <laughs> They're not then, good for you. Then, once you bake it is. off, add that to the top of the biscuit. <laughs> Again, you're going to think you've added too much. Keep going. That's not the case. Then, then you will have basically the, the regular Cheddar Bay biscuit. A bukkake of olive oil and cheese. Olive oil, cheese, and uh, 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 garlic. I was going to say garlic, mm. I'm assuming. I mean, yeah, I hate that I like them. <sighs> All right. Well, sorry it's been a while since uh, a news episode, but hey, the first one of the new year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yes, Free Viking, I have for, for several years. I have worked at a Red Lobster. Oh, it's an uh, Sorry, sorry I'm just seeing in the chat, I was like, I assume oh, that, yeah. oh, yeah, he missed those conversations. That had to be fun. Anyway. All right, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to leave that as the title, if I, if I want to reference that at, at any point. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show and we will see you again next uh well weekend after next <laughs> next, <laughs> next time next time <laughs> once again i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier and i'm christopher walker we'll see you guys next time bye, bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>